You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, it's a joy and privilege to share God's word with you this morning. Um, and uh, today I'm going to speak on how to find success in 2024. It's a big topic and a very important one and of course it's really um, uh, interesting to us because we all want to have success. And this is the first of four of our series of sermons on what is the real meaning of success. Uh, it's on this book by uh, Dr. Omar Dijoandi. He's an, actually an Indonesian a doctor living in New South Wales, an ex-medical doctor, uh, now working with the mission organization called SIM. Uh, some of you may know it. His book is entitled Redefining Success. And the word success is not a misprint. It is there. Uh, it's an intentional um, uh, need for us to look at success uh, differently according to Jesus. Uh, so there's more to this excellent book, and I would recommend it for your private reading as well as your own Bible study groups. You will find great usefulness in that. So this morning, let me pray, and then we will go into uh, the Word of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we commit to you our series on finding success according to Jesus. Give us wisdom and insight into your word and help us to understand the true meaning of success in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why is success so important to us? Everybody wants to be successful. Climbing the ladder of success generally involves four areas. The areas of fame, wealth, power, and health. If you have fame and wealth, which is primarily money and possessions, power and health, you would be considered successful. And the more we have of these things, the higher we climb, and the more successful we become. How, how, that's how it goes, don't do you agree? According to the world. I come from an Asian background, and as you know, we are a highly competitive bunch. When it comes to success, it means a great deal to an Asian family. I remember growing up uh, in my family and my parents and my Relatives and friends, whenever they gather together, inevitably they would start comparing what their children are doing. It seems that there is a ranking system or a pecking order. For my parents and my family, who are non-Christians at that time, the top career for their children would be to become a doctor or a lawyer. Some people are nodding their heads. You know what I, exactly what I mean. Or an engineer, 
I became one anyway, uh, simply because these professions pay well. And also, finding a job is not a problem in those days. I don't know about now, but I think, you know. Uh, so, but at the bottom of this scale, uh, sad to say, is people, a profession like a salesman or a tradesman, and worse still, it could be a pastor or church worker because they don't pay well. And the conversation would be uh, comparing the success of their children, just like things like this. Oh, you know, my, my, my son or my daughter is a doctor, and then so is mine. And one says, how much does he or she earn? Uh, is she working in a big hospital? Is she a specialist? Uh, mine is. <laughs> so you can see that they are trying to do one better than the other. And um, unconsciously, uh, they are actually deliberately conditioning us as children uh, what is success in life. This is the kind of success that defines your life. Their success primarily boils down to this very basic two words. Success equals security and significance. Security and significance. What do I mean by that? If you are successful, you will be famous. And everyone will know you and love you. And that's one of the reasons why our social media has such a great popular following. And people want to have millions, thousands and millions of likes on their social media page like Facebook or X or Instagram. Uh, and fame, of course, can bring wealth, money and possessions, which would provide you security. So if we seek success in the four areas of fame, of wealth, power and health, you will find security and significance. And that's the idea. But you know the problem with success is that not everyone can be successful. When you fail to achieve success, finding fame, wealth, power and health, what happens? Well, not everyone can be a doctor. Not everyone can be a lawyer. And what happens to those, despite their best efforts, fail to achieve success? In the Asian culture, there is loss of respect, a sense of failure and shame. And our society can be very harsh and cruel. There is bullying, loss of self-esteem, loss of dignity, fear, depression, anxiety. And many just can't cope and lose the meaning and purpose in life. Just like the uh, author of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, meaninglessness, meaninglessness, everything is meaningless. They end up taking their lives and the world around us can be very cruel and very unforgiving when it comes to success. Is there a better way to look at success? But first, let us look at Jesus. 
What if you were to apply the same standards to Jesus? The same success factors to Jesus. Was Jesus successful? In the eyes of the world? Well, look at his fame. Well, he was born in Bethlehem. Where is it? It's a backward town. And his birth was in a manger, not in a house. Not much fame in that, is there? What about his wealth? His parents were not wealthy. Joseph was a poor carpenter in Nazareth. And Jesus, he was brought up in a carpenter's shop. And he did not have much power and influence, just like the Romans, not like the Roman uh, emperors. He was a good teacher, never mind, uh, and a miracle worker, but he was really didn't uh, quite, uh, was really not popular with the religious leaders. They actually uh, disliked him and they wanted to kill him. And his life was one of an itinerant preacher, despised by the leaders, and he died a criminal's death on a Roman cross. So if you were to apply the same standards, was Jesus a success? The answer is no. He's not a success. He's actually a failure in the eyes of the world. And this morning, as Christians, we want to look at the definition of success according to Jesus. If you have your Bibles, just uh, keep your um, hands into uh, chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke. In verse 13, it was when Jesus was teaching the crowds. And he was rudely interrupted by someone in the crowd saying, Teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide <coughs> his inheritance with me. This was a question that was totally unexpected and out of place. And Jesus was teaching his followers and someone uh, asked him this question. It, was, it is like someone here in church this morning, as I'm speaking, he says, put up his hand and say, Andrew, do you know what's the best investment? And the best place to put my money in 2024? What? <laughs> this is a really irrelevant question, out of place. And in verse 14 and 15, Jesus puts them in this, puts him back into his right place. And Jesus says, Who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? Basically, Jesus is saying, I cannot tell your brother how you're going to share the inheritance, but since you asked that question, I can tell you what is the root of your problem. I can tell you what is the root of your problem. And he said to them, take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. You see, the heart of the problem of this man was covetousness. 
This man was actually looking at the inheritance of his brother to bring him wealth and success. And he was trying to get his share. Remember what coveting is from the Bible? It is desiring something or someone that does not belong to you. But it's more than that. It's desiring this more and more until it takes control of your life. So in his mind, this person was trying to get more of the family inheritance that belonged to his brothers, thinking that he will be successful and he will have security and significance. And Jesus' warning was, take care. Be on your guard against covetousness, which is really greed in the essence. Uh, there is more to life than getting possessions, more and more of it. And so Jesus tells them this parable of the rich fool. Three things to draw from this parable. The first is this man was already rich in verse 16. He was a farmer and his land gave him a great and plentiful harvest. The equivalent would be the billionaire industrialist like Elon Musk, whose factory made so much selling electric Tesla cars to the world that everyone wants to get one. The rich man had the skill and talent to prosper and multiply to get a bountiful harvest. There is no sin in this. And God gives us different gifts and talents, and each can use his talent to be successful. So this man is to be commended that he can successfully produce an abundant harvest. Well, he also asked the right questions. What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my grain. And he plans to build bigger barns to saw his grain. Nothing wrong with that. This man was forward-looking and he was planning ahead. But the second thing to note is uh, that in verse 18 and 19, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And in verse 19, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have, plant, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So he also speaks to his soul. So the second thing to note is clearly this man is obsessed with his own abilities and success. Well, have you noticed the number of I wills in these verses? I will do this. I will do that. I will. The modern Australian equivalent would be a rich man about to retire, lying on his armchair on the veranda, enjoying the barbie and holding a glass of beer or wine, saying to himself, life's good. I've made my millions and now it's time for me to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Time to relax. Time to eat, drink, and be merry. His retirement package, unfortunately, was a ticket to self-indulgence 
and pleasure-seeking. There is no thought for the poor, no thought for the needy, the sick, or the helpless. One thing that he has forgotten is how he got his riches. He has left God out of the picture. He has forgotten that he has done nothing to make the seed grow and the grain to flourish. He has forgotten that his harvest depended on good weather conditions. He cannot control the growth of his crops. He cannot control the weather. This is God's work. He has forgotten God and everything he saw was mine, mine, mine. All my work and all my effort. His focus was only on himself and the whole purpose of his life was only on earth. What can he achieve? What can he earn? What can he get? What can he do? It's all based on, his, on this world and nothing beyond. In verse 20, God responds. This is the third point. God responds. God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? God's response tells us that the man's heart and his actions were sinful. Although he was gifted, although he asked the right questions, but his heart was really sinful and foolish. Uh, this must have actually stunned the crowds because Jesus was teaching the crowds. Because to them, if a person is prosperous, if a person is rich, it's because God has blessed him. But here, Jesus turns it around. He's saying, this man is actually not blessed by God. He's actually a fool in God's sight. The soul um, to him uh, is actually uh, the word nishama in Hebrew. It's the essence of a person's life, his purpose, his identity. But he forgets that his soul is not just his body, which was what he was really thinking about all the the good things that he was going to do. But the Bible tells us that his soul actually will live forever. This means that our body may die, but our soul continues to live. And he has also forgotten that his life and his soul are in the hands of God. He has no control of that. And that very night, God is going to take his life and his soul away. So he dies the very next day. I don't know, it could be a sudden heart attack. It could be just a tragic accident which happened suddenly. And what's next? What's next? Everything he has prepared, all the wealth and the goods that he stored up, it will not benefit him. He has to leave it all behind for others. He faces the judgment of God and he has to give an account of God to God for his actions. What a fool. What a fool. The tragedy of the rich man is not that he was not wise or smart, 
the tragedy of the rich man was that he was focused on earthly things and he has forgotten that God was responsible for his success. He was wise and successful by human standards, but true wisdom and true success takes account of our whole of our life in time and eternity. The rich man was really unprepared. He gave up his life that very night, and the result is he lost the opportunity to save his soul from judgment, and he has to face, uh, to give an account of his life to God. And Jesus concludes with this, so it is, with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And Jesus warns us that if we seek success in hoarding earthly treasures, we will feed the sin of covetousness, we will want more and more, we will never be satisfied, and furthermore, it is fleeting, it will not last, it is of no use in heaven. In other words, craving for worldly success is a form of idolatry, it is a substitute for the real thing that will last forever. The success that satisfies is the relationship with God in heaven, the relationship with our Creator. That's the one that you should be seeking. So what is true success according to Jesus? Dr. Omar Joandi says this in chapter 7, true success according to Jesus is dependent upon God as his children. Very, very simple. True success, according to Jesus, is being dependent on God as his children. So we really need a new perspective of what true Christian success is. Let's do a comparison. Let's compare worldly success versus what is Christian success. Have a look at this. Look at fame. Worldly success seeks to be famous. This is coming from the praise and the honor of people around you. You will not be famous if you are alone on an island. But Christian fame is not found in men, but found in God. Our reputation comes from our acceptance as being the sons and heirs of God. And that's why we can call God Abba Father. Galatians 4. Our significance and identity comes from being washed, from being cleansed from our sins and being welcomed into God's family. God created us in his image and he knows the very best for us. So our significance is to be in relationship back with God, our creator. And he has showed it to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So our relationship with God and with other believers is really uh, what brings us significance. In the area of wealth, our Christian wealth is just not money and possessions, 
It is, with, it is the spiritual blessings that Jesus brings in, on earth and in heaven for us. Uh, we have talked about that from the previous series in Ephesians uh, in the previous uh, uh, last year. Wealth in the kingdom of God is not measured by how much you possess or how much you earn, but how much you give. Not how much you earn, how much you have, but how much you give. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive in Acts. While on earth, our wealth can be shared with others. We need to be good stewards of earthly wealth. What about the area of power? It is not the power, the earthly power that comes from great ability and influence coming from yourself, but our Christian power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. It is not by power or by might, but by my spirit. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 1 tells us. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live holy and righteous lives, even as we face rejection from a hostile world. The Holy Spirit gives us strength when we face failures and we have the power to get up and start again. What about the area of health? Now, we are so taken up with the physical appearance and physical beauty that we know even though we know that health will fade as we grow old. Our bodies will lose its strength and vigour. Our knees will start to knock. Our hair grows thin. Our teeth will fall out. It is a fact of life. But the Christian success is not in the outward, but in the inward transformation of the inner man. We talked about, we, we sing about the fruits of the Spirit, or Rick shared with us, we have to have the fruit of the Spirit that's growing and maturing every day. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and so on. So true success, according to Jesus, is having our security and significance in Christ. This success is given to us in Christ by the grace of God. It is a gift. We have to receive it by faith. It is a gift. We have to receive it by faith and to live for Him. So let me conclude. Jesus gives us the way to achieve true success in our Christian life and he gives us the means to achieve this. And if you read the rest of the chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, he asks us two questions. Two questions. Just two questions. The first question is, if you want to find success, ask yourself this question. What is your life's priority? He said to his disciples in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat, what about all your body, what you put on. In verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. And this is our priority. This is our first priority. 
And according to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew says, seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 What does seeking his kingdom and his righteousness mean? It means that you need to put, we need to put our lives priorities in order, in order that the first thing in your life is really to seek God's kingdom, to serve him and his righteousness, seeks God's honor and glory in your life. It means trusting God to provide for you every day. We no longer worry when we face failures because God is working his purposes in our lives. Remember, success is not permanent, so is failure. Failure is also not permanent. And we learn that from our failures, we learn much more from our failures than from our success. And if God gives us success, it is not to spend on ourselves, we are shared with others. Using our treasures for others and storing our treasures in heaven, that is how we can be rich towards God. The second question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Verse 35 says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. Verse 40, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Will you be ready for Christ's return? That's the question, second question. Jesus reminds us in this chapter that true success comes from being ready and prepared. Being dressed for action means that our lives are to be lived in accordance to the word of God and in conformance to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's also staying uh, fit to fight the warfare, the spiritual warfare that comes to us, making sure that our spiritual armor is complete. We read that, we've done that in Ephesians chapter 6 last year. Remember that? I'll end with this illustration. Do you know this famous man? His name is Steve Jobs, the, app, the founder of Apple, a maverick businessman, a billionaire, a genius, a global success. Every time you pick up your phone, your smartphone, or your smart device, you need to thank this man. He's the one who made it possible. Do you know what his last words were? Let me read it to you. This is his words. I reach the pinnacle of success in the business world. In others' eyes, my life is an epitome of success. However, 
aside from work, I have little joy. In the end, wealth is only a fact of life I am accustomed to. At this moment, lying on the sick bed and recalling my whole life, I realize that all the recognition and wealth that I took so much pride in have paled and become meaningless in the face of impending death. You can employ someone to drive the car for you, make money for you, but you cannot have someone to bear the sickness for you. Material things lost can be found. But there is one thing that can never be found when lost. Life. There is one thing that can never be found when lost. Life. Steve Jobs was driven by worldly success. He achieved fame, wealth, power beyond his wildest dreams. But as you can see, his last words showed the deep regrets when he lost his life at 56 years of pancreatic cancer. He was unprepared. He was not ready. He did not know God and he lived his time on earth. In the end, he ran out of time. He ran out of life, just like the rich fool in the parable. And as we consider success this morning, true success in Christ, how does it look for you in 2024? It will require your response to these two questions. The rich fool and Steve Jobs lost that opportunity. My prayer is that we will have time to respond wisely. Honestly ask yourself these two questions this morning. What is your life's priority? Will you trust God and seek His kingdom? and His righteousness in your life? Are you ready for Christ's return? Will you be ready for action? Is your lamp burning and shining brightly for others to follow? So may we continue and pray and ask the Lord for His strength and His direction as we pursue true success in Christ with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind in 2024. Let me pray. Dear God, we thank you for your presence with us this morning that we can start to understand what true success is. We are lost without your grace and mercy to us. Give us a new perspective on true success that will not fail and that will last for eternity. A success that would make us better followers 
and better servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to give our time and priorities to seeking your kingdom first in our lives. Help us to be ready to meet Christ even when he comes today. In Jesus' name. Amen.